Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Thundergrads. I'm your host today, Haley Hurst, and I'm here with analyst Michael Martin, and we are so ba- good to be back in the studio. How are you feeling, Michael? Nervous. I'm here with some royalty. Miss Teen <laughs> Oklahoma, is that right? Yes, so this past weekend I just won Miss Oklahoma Teen USA, so I'll advance to the Miss Teen USA pageant. They haven't announced when, but I'm so extremely excited, but a cool little fun fact is my Miss, so the Miss Oklahoma USA is Ashley Earhart, a current Thunder Girl. How ironic. I we thought got, that was so cool. We got so some cool. connections. It's nice to have some winners around here with the Thunder tanking. <laughs> well, not with last night's game. They did not tank did last not night. not tank enough last night. Which brings me to this. I did not prep you on this surprise game for Haley. You were really worried about it. <laughs> and because I know how many like um, just anonymous guys there were on the Blazers last night. And I know that a lot of my pop culture references you don't get. So we're going to play a game called, is this guy a Portland Trailblazer or a member of a 90s boy band? Oh, no. And no, no, I'm no. going to go back and forth. And you're going to tell me if this guy played for the Blazers. You better not look up their roster. Uh, okay, I'm not looking <laughs> and up their roster. You're going to tell me if they are on their roster. No one's going to be mad at you if you get this wrong. I can't. I don't think Portland fans can name who's on their roster right now. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. Are you ready to go? No, but I guess I'll be as ready as I'll ever, <laughs> well, well, ever I ho- be. I think you'll get like six out of ten on this, hopefully. Okay. Jordan Knight, is he a Portland Trailblazer or a 90s boy band member, Haley? I'm going to go with a 90s boy band member. That is correct. He is a new kids on the block. <laughs> what? I, it just sounds like someone's famous name. Like, it doesn't sound like a real name, so I feel like they definitely made up Jordan okay. Knight for his persona. One for one. Number two, Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr.? Um, I'm going to go with another boy band. No, he plays for the Portland Trailblazers. He was drafted by your Dallas Mavericks a while ago, actually. Yikes, yikes, Unfortunately, yeah, they shipped him off to New York after they drafted Luca. Okay, one for two. Number three, Chris Kirkpatrick. I'm going to go with the Trailblazer. He was in NSYNC. Chris Kirkpatrick, that's unfortunate. Okay, we're one for I'm I'm really not getting (laughs) off on a good foot right here. Okay, you're going to make it up here. Elijah Hughes. Elijah Hughes. Yes, he played last night. He did play last night. Mm, Portland mm. Trailblazer. We're back at 50%. Okay. Nick Carter. Backs, is he a Portland Trailblazer or a 90s boy band? Um, I'm going to go with 90s boy band. Yep, he was in Backstreet Boys. I heard you kind of say yeah. Backstreet, so I was like, okay, if I get this wrong, I, yeah. I'm dumb. I'm not a great uh, <laughs> interviewer here. Questionnaire. Okay, next we've got Drew Eubanks. Drew Eubanks. Um, he played last night, he? Didn't did he did play last okay. night. He's a trailblazer. Okay. Yeah, we're up to four out of six. Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Um, is he a heartthrob of a 90s rocker? That was a really good fake out. No, he plays for the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> Josh Hart does play for the Blazers. Okay. He was on the Lakers initially and then came over in the CJ McCollum trade. Kevin Richardson. Kevin Richardson. I'm going to go with the 90s boy band. Yeah, he's in Backstreet Boys. Okay. My Backstreet Boys knowledge is okay. here. Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore. I'm going to guess basketball player. He played at Kansas. Yeah, he played last night. He almost was the MVP for the Thunder and won that game for the Blazers. And then last but not least, Wanye Morris. Wait, can you repeat that name? Wanye Morris. Wanye. Um... That can either be a foreign basketball player or a stage name. So I'm just going to go with basketball player. Boys to men. No. No. I think you got six out of ten, though. 
okay, I, I, I'm happy that's with a six out of ten. That's sixty yeah. percent. I mean, that's not passing, but I wouldn't necessarily call that failing. I mean, either. you don't know the Blazers roster or a lot of '90s boy bands, but that is true. I'm that sure you'll true. look it up later. I kind of like Wanye though. That's a that's a cute little that's name. That's fun name. <laughs> so speaking of pop culture did you see the oscars the other night i saw the highlights that was absolutely insane for those of you who don't know what we're talking about will smith slapped chris rock um so i have a question what is a phrase that someone in the nba or thunder opinions would cause you to slap someone if they said it there's some really bad opinions out there but <laughs> One that I saw on Twitter the other day was this guy who said that people were complaining about the quality of play in college basketball and how bad it is. And he's saying that it's good that like all the defense is great in 70 and 80 point games. And he said that if players in the NBA played as hard as college players, that defense would be that good. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I had no idea the secret to guarding Kevin Durant was just trying harder. That was it. Wow. That's what you know. What maybe I could actually go and play in the NBA and just try harder. If you and, try and harder, I could, I could be an MVP. I I don't know, six man maybe, but I don't know about MVP. But yeah, that was. I think that's so stupid that people are like, well, yeah, if they play defense like they do in college, the secret to college, Haley, is all the good players have already left for the NBA. That's why no, it's, they're playing in the G leagues. Like you have that seventeen-year-old. I don't know his name off the top of my head. Playing in the Scoot G leagues. Scoot Henderson. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to college. He's not going to be playing in college. They're playing to go straight into the NBA. I mean, of course, you have great players come out of college, but that's because you know they wanted to go to college pl- first they wanted to play in college first instead of going straight to the straight to the g leagues yeah you got to play one year in college and all those guys play exactly one year and then exactly. they leave. do you have anybody you would slap for anything dumb set out there um i have like a thunder one because i was, th- I was of course you know i'm not a big twitter person but i saw this on instagram the other day and it was a hater and it was like the thunder are never going to be playoff contenders especially next year and I could slap someone because, you know, my lo- I, I went into, the, you know, hosting this podcast, not knowing a ton about f- basketball, and it's, like, significantly grown. But I've seen the heart and soul that's gone behind, behind the Thunder team. So I would definitely slap them and be like, no, I don't think you understand. Because we've seen a lot of young Thunder players at the core. We have Shea, we have Baisley, Mann, Giddy, Poku, and Roby. Um, and they've grown such immense amounts over the course of the season. But with a good draft and a free agency offseason, the OKC has a definite shot of finding themselves in the playoff conversation next year. Do I think they'll win the playoffs? No, I don't. I'll be frankly honest here. But do I feel like they could at least play one game? Yes. Could they get in the first round? I don't I don't see them getting in the playoffs next year because some of it is just like some good teams have to drop out. Okay, and there's fair. just not a lot of room. that, And they're just a younger team. So I'm not going to say next year but 2023 is the year okay 2023 we can settle on 2023 yeah have you ever slapped anyone i have not slapped anyone besides my brother but i don't think that counts what was the context of you slapping your brother i honestly don't remember it was probably a dumb fight you see me and my brother were only 18 months apart so fighting was pretty constant with us and having an older brother things you know got pretty rough like things would get physical so i've definitely slapped him on the back a couple times he's slapped me before we've gone at it before i mean all love to him he's we're really close now but back in the day hair was pulled um punches were flying have you ever punched someone or slapped someone 
Not that I can remember, but I can see why no one wants to challenge you for Miss Teen USA or Miss Teen Oklahoma. You will beat them up. <laughs> no, I'm not that mean. I swear. I swear. I'm just I'm not messing mean. with you. But I, I, if you see Haley on OU's campus, do not mess with her. I will. G- I might give you a death stare, but I will never touch you. Just, just good know to know. That. But speaking of injuries, so the Thunder has been through so much, um, so many injuries this year. Shea's likely out for the rest of the year. Baisley's hurt and out for the rest of the season. J- well, JRE, well, JRE is returning and Giddy's out for the rest of the year. What are some updates that you have on all of those injuries? I am sad. <laughs> I am very sad. Shea is out too. It's just like, it's like going to your favorite restaurant and they're like by the way we're out of bread potatoes meat and everything you like and it's like <laughs> what do you have it's like well we've got like a raw onion here for you we have some lettuce we have some lettuce no dressing no salad dressing just lettuce just lettuce and we're not really sure that it's clean but that's all we have so it's <laughs> i i'm glad that these guys are getting the surgeries and the time off that they need to go into the off season because when a player really gets a lot better and improves, that's during the offseason. Guys improve during the season, but when you make those big steps is during the offseason when you're practicing every day and you don't have games in between. So hopefully this is a good start for those guys going into the offseason. And hopefully we can lose a few more games because that is needed in this last stretch of like seven or so games. Because yeah. right now they are winning too much. I want to know like how they're winning. All of their good players are out. Like, Is it purely luck at this point or what do you think it is? Well, for one, they're playing against another team that desperately did not want to win that game either. Because, I mean, down the stretch, the Blazers are down three with 10 seconds left in overtime. They shoot a two. Why? Why don't you just shoot a three to tie the game? And then the Thunder come down, make both free throws, so it's a three-point game again. Five seconds left to go down the court and make a three. And the Blazers don't even get a shot off in overtime to make the three, to like to get a three to even tie it to go into double overtime. It's just crazy. A lot of it is these guys are playing with literally zero pressure because no one expects them to win, which is the easiest way to play. I think that's also the most fun way to play because you can kind of do whatever you want because there is no pressure. No one's good. out. Well, everyone's great if they're playing in the NBA, but there's no stars out on the floor, especially for the Thunder. Yeah, I mean, they played like nine guys who all played in the G League who are like barely have NBA contracts. You'll see them in Summer League in a couple weeks in Vegas. Like this was not a great game at all i still enjoyed watching it because i'm an nba like sicko but it was it was so weird i mean isaiah roby out looked out there like he was nikola Jokic or prime shack yeah, 11 for 13 field goals it was very nice of him to show up in this one game where we needed him not <laughs> to show up same with teo maladon they have a knack for like when they see a game that's pointless they're like this is what i yeah, need this to- is it this is my my time to shine same with the wiggins Aaron Wiggins, too. I just, I wish all of those guys just please stop. Please stop scoring. Please stop doing good things. But there's not much you can ask those guys. You're not going to ask your team to intentionally lose. Those guys and the coaches aren't trying to intentionally lose. It's Sam Presti's job by roster construction and who they're taking out due to medical things to make it harder on them. But these guys are still professionals, like you said. They're playing, a lot of these guys are playing for their NBA livelihood of if they don't make it here, they're not going to make it anywhere. Exactly. So they're going to play hard. They're going to try to do different things. It's just, it's very, very difficult to, uh, it's a very difficult pill to swallow to know that they were so close to losing. Like I told you before we started recording, that was one of the bigger, like, 
sickening wins I've ever had in my life. Like, I've had some sickening losses. There have been some big ones. Like, I went to the Rose Bowl when OU lost to Georgia. Oh, we don't speak of that game. I went to the Final Four when OU lost to Villanova by, like, 45. Um, I've been to various Thunder games. I watched all the ones when they lost to Golden State in Game 6 where Clay Thompson went off. So, it's been a rough ride, but this was inexplicably bad because there was just no reason for them to win. I think they were like down 10 with like five minutes left and Portland was just like handing them the ball, trying to let them win. And the Thunder to their credit, end up pulling out the game. Isaiah Roby played well. It's just not the game we want him to play well in. No, not at all. And speaking of other injuries, you know, you mentioned Shea's out with a right ankle injury, which I think everyone's not shocked that he's out yet again with the same injury. Um, Giddy is still out with his hip. Um, and I'm glad that he's getting time to rest because, you know, Gideon Shea and Baisley especially have been taking over the court for everyone. Um, so just letting them be able to get on the, letting all of like the newbies getting a shot, getting some recognition, getting the opportunity to play has been really great. And we did see that last game, but it just wasn't necessarily needed. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. I mean, Shea, the thing with him is he had the ankle injury and he could come back for a game, go out for a game, and it was just kind of iffy. And what they ultimately decided to do was that's not sustainable, so they're just going to sit him the rest of the season, which is only like five or six games more, so yeah. it's not a big sample size. It's I'm going to miss watching Shea because I like watching him more than I like watching Robert Sarr and Teo Maladon and all those guys, but... Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get Trey Mann uh, back at at least because he missed that game last night, too. I mean, they sat everyone they possibly could. They could have just basically thrown five jerseys out into the crowd and just said, who wants to play for the Thunder tonight? And that's basically the team they had. It was just, I, I cannot talk enough about how disappointed I was. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a disappointing loss in a very close game. but in Disappointing the- win. Oh, yeah, disappointing win. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said lost. But speaking of a disappointing win, we're going into tank standings. As much as we want to tank, as much as we want to get, you know, that 14% for spots one, two, and three, we're currently sitting at spot number four for tanking. So how's OKC looking in the reverse standings? Um, How many games do you think OKC is going to win, lose? What are your thoughts? Yeah, like I said, they have seven games left. Here's the rundown. So they get Wednesday, tomorrow night. They play Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. I think that's a loss, so that's good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good loss. Friday, they played Cade Cunningham and Detroit Pistons at home. That could end up being a win. I hope that's a loss, but that's kind of a coin toss. I feel like Detroit is the one team they really have to lose to to make t- top three piece. Aren't they only like... Point five, like half a game behind who's ever in third right now. Like they're very close to catching the Pistons. Let me check this real quick. Yeah, they are two games back of the Pistons actually. No. So, oh yeah, I forgot they won last night. That's, so that's why that's it was why. such a big deal that the Thunder won. That that really pains it. But um, let's see. So the rest of their schedule, yeah, they get Detroit, Phoenix. They're Phoenix gonna lose. Beating everyone, so they'll lose that one. Tuesday, April fifth, they get Portland again in a tank off. That one, do not turn your TVs on for that one. That one's going to be really ugly. I Final score will be like 10 to 15. <laughs> and then they get at Utah, at the Lakers, at the Clippers. Those are teams that would usually beat the Thunder, but it's a really weird thing because it's late in the season and a lot of those teams will be locked up in their like positioning in the playoff bracket, so they might rest some guys. But ideally, they beat the Thunder. So I'll say out of seven games, they win no more than two. I agree with that. I agree that they they will probably end up winning against Detroit or Portland. 
but it's but not the end of the world because I wanted to give some brightness to this. There have been a history of number four picks that have been pretty good. Here's actually, let me find this stat, of um, whoever had the fourth odds in the last few years of how that turned out. So the Thunder had the fourth best lottery odds last year. They end up with a sixth pick and get Josh Giddy. Atlanta in 2020 uh, has fourth best odds, uh, winds up with six and Onyeka Kongwu. 2019, the Bulls get number seven with Kobe White. 2018, the Hawks get number three where they get Luka and then end up trading him to Dallas. So that's a pretty good one. 2017, the 76ers get the fifth pick, which goes to um, actually Sacramento, and they get De'Aaron Fox. So there's a good number of guys here. You can even just look at like the actual fourth picks. You get DeAndre Hunter. You get uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Josh Jackson, Porzingis, Aaron Gordon, Wesley Johnson, Tristan Thompson. There's some hits and some misses here, but it's not the end of the world. But you you definitely want them to lose out to get better odds. I think the biggest thing with these odds is, and I've told you about, is it's not about how far up you can rise. It's more about how far you can fall. Mm -hmm. So if you have the fourth best odds, you can range anywhere from the first pick to the eighth pick. So out of 100 tries, basically, you have a 2.2% chance at the eighth pick. Your most likely outcome is at the sixth pick with 25.7%, and then the seventh pick with 167 And then your best odds are actually with number one and number two. So it's not the out of realm of the pos- out of It's not out of the realm of possibilities, but it's not super, super likely. Who do you think they're going for first in the draft? If they had the number one pick? Yeah. If the, like re- if they had the number one pick, hypothetically, who's going to be their first pick? I'm, I talked to John a lot about this. I'm kind of caught in between a couple guys, so I'll just name two. Okay. So Chet Holmgren, I don't know if you've watched him from Gonzaga, seven foot two, weighs like 190 pounds, like super, super skinny. He's kind of looks like he's, he kind of looks like Poku's older <laughs> brother. But he's out. Uh, he's really good. He can be a really good defender and kind of the anchor of your defense. He can catch lobs. He can shoot the ball. He can handle it a little bit. The biggest question is just his body and how thin he is. But there are a lot of guys who have come into the league skinny, like Kevin Durant, Giannis, Porzingis, Rudy Gobert, Jaron Jackson, who you give them a few years and they bulk up and they can turn into good players. But his body is the biggest concern. And then a guy close to your heart in – Auburn's Jabari Smith Jr., who I really like. Jabari is a really, really good basketball player. He's a multi-positional uh, defender who can shoot it from about anywhere. He's super athletic. I think that's super important because a lot of guys who play basketball, they don't look athletic when they play. I mean, Josh Giddy, he doesn't. He looks awkward when he plays. He's amazing, but he doesn't look athletic, but he looks very athletic. Jabari is, yeah, he's really athletic. He's a really good player. He's probably the best shooting big man since Kevin Durant. I'm not going to put him in the same conversation as Kevin Durant. That's kind of like sacrilegious, but (laughs) uh, Jabari can shoot it from about anywhere. His biggest questions are some things like his passing and his ball handling and different things like that, but a lot of it comes down to he had some guards on that Auburn team who were just not very good, who did not pass him the ball a lot. Like They didn't understand that he was going to be the number one pick and they're going to be in college for two more years, but I think either of those guys I'd be extremely happy with. And then on the outside looking in, because this looks like a four-player draft, you have Jaden Ivey, who's sort of a John Morant type, downhill mega athlete who's kind of raw. And then you have Paolo Bancaro from Duke, who is super interesting because he's built like a tank at 6'9", like 250, even though he's only 19. But he, I don't know, I have some concerns with him about like just how much more he can evolve his game. Yeah, 
And it also kind of comes down to, are they coachable players? Because, you know, they might be great in college where they're at right now, but how are they going to transition into the NBA? How are they going to be coached? And with Jabari, like his passing and stuff, like, is he going to be able to be coachable in that? Or is he only going to be able to be a shooter? Because if you're on, if you're not versatile, an NBA team's not going to keep you. Yeah, no, in this NBA, it's about being positionless and being able to do multiple things. So if you can't, if you're one-dimensional, it's just harder to get drafted. That's why guys like Walker Kessler, also out of Auburn, who are going to be late in the draft because although he is a really good shot blocker, that's about all he has. But this draft is going to be really exciting because, like I said, there are about four guys, and a lot of it is dependent on just who gets the number one pick and past drafts like last year with Cade Cunningham basically anybody who had the number one pick was going to take him but in this one it could be really team dependent and i'd love to see how these guys fit with giddy and shea like jabari would be great they really need somebody who can spread the floor and shoot with them and those guys will feed him the ball and will do all the dribbling and passing so he doesn't have to and then you have a guy like chet who could really anchor the defense on the back line so dort has doesn't have to do as much on the perimeter or you could get even somebody like paolo who could be a secondary scorer next to shea because giddy's not a great scorer yeah, that, that's, that's a really good breakdown of all of them. And I think all of those guys would be super, like a really big asset to the Thunder. Yeah, but like you said, it's going to be really important to get the right fit and not just basketball-wise, but personality-wise. Yeah. And Presti, I feel like, does such an amazing job doing that. He is such an amazing team builder. I mean, Le- LeBron, the king of basketball, even said it himself that we talked about a couple episodes ago. And so I think that's also a very important thing to mention is Sam Presti's going to find the right guy, and they will fit in very well with the team. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job with Josh Giddy. No one thought he would be anywhere nearly this good. I mean, his weakness was basketball. His weakness was basketball. That's that's kind of hard to overcome. His strength is TikTok. But he, <laughs> he came out playing really well this year. Uh, Presti did a really great job of finding somebody who was NBA ready. So... I guess with this draft, it's going to be very dependent, like I said, on who you get. Chet Holmgren, it's going to take a couple of years, but if you're patient, you know, it could turn into something really good. I think Paolo out the gate might be the best guy, but, you know, basketball is a long-term thing. You get a chance to develop these guys. If you looked after the rookie year of some of these guys, like in um, Shea's draft, where you had Luca, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Aiden, and some other guys, you would say, Shea, I wouldn't take him in the top ten three year, three four years later you'd go yeah i'd probably take him with third pick a lot of this is just to be determined how they develop but i really trust mark dagnall and sam presti and the development staff in oklahoma city because they've proved to be one of the better developmental teams in the league and just getting the most out of these guys just squeezing every last drop out of them in terms of potential Absolutely. So transitioning from the Thunder to the Suns, can anyone beat the Suns? I mean, Phoenix is having an all-time regular season and is over what is an, an overwhelming favorite in the Western Conference. Who out in the West has the best chance to cool off the Suns in the postseason? The Suns have been dominant, as you said. They are so dominant. I mean, they've won their last seven games. They're averaging 131 points during that stretch. That's the most a team has ever scored in a seven-game stretch since the Nuggets in 1988. So if you're getting a stat back to the 80s, that's a pretty big deal. But, yeah, the Suns are playing really, really great basketball. They're a really deep team. Um, I've picked them for a while to go to the finals. I think in every prediction I've made, I've had them in the finals. I haven't had them winning yet, but might have that soon. But, yeah, I love what they're doing with Chris Paul and uh, Devin Booker of having an elite ball handler on the floor at all times. They're just really well built and just top to bottom. They have, like, nine guys deep that they can play at any time. 
and they've been winning, like you said, all year. They've been dominating everybody. doesn't matter who's in or out of the lineup. But I guess if I had to pick, I have like a few teams in mind. So the Warriors first, but Steph's got to get back. That's the biggest caveat. And that's a big thing with him because he had an ankle injury. And for those who don't know, Steph Curry has a history of ankle injuries that almost ended his career. So that's why it's such a big deal. So if they can get him back into the fold for the playoffs and they get Klay Thompson and Draymond at full strength, I'm not going to rule anything out for them because they have so much championship experience. And then also you've got the Memphis Grizzlies, who are the young and up-and-coming team, who I think could also have a shot, but I think Phoenix would probably beat them. So if anyone could beat Phoenix it would have to be the fully healthy Warriors. I agree with that. I think if Steph comes back in time for the playoff, which looks like he should right now, mm-hmm. all predictions are pointing to yes. Um, I think Steph Curry could definitely run the team point to beat anyone at any given night, any given time, showing their depth. And, you know, Curry is just such a great, versatile player, and I th- he's the key to making the Warriors work. Every single time he's on the on the on the floor, you can really see the dynamic change and the chemistry change. But I also have the Mavs, and I know that's kind of random, but like, hear me I, out. I want to hear it. So Luka Doncic and Spencer D- Dinwiddie mm-hmm. are looking really dangerous lately. They are such a good pair. The chemistry's off the walls, and they're showing potentials to be a giant killer, as I like to call them. Ooh. So their scoring abilities with Dinwiddie and Luka complement each other so unbelievably well, and they're definitely a team to watch out for. I really think that they could pull it off. It would be one of the biggest upsets of the entire season, but if there is any team that could, I can definitely see the Mavs. And being from Dallas, I guess I'm a little biased, um, but I've never been a big Mav fan, but I just really want my my hometown team to win. I could see that. I don't think the Suns would lose to them, but... Here's the thing with the playoffs, because it is a seven-game series, it's not just one game. And no, it's not. A big thing is if you have the best player in a series, which Luka can be, that can just flip everything. Or if you get a team hot from three, like if the Mavs just go hot from three and the Suns go cold, a lot of different things can happen. I would still take the Suns just because of their experience going to the finals last year and just having all those veterans. I mean, as much as I love the Mavs and Luka, Luka's never made out of the first round, even though he's played the Clippers twice. There's still room for improvement, but I don't mind that. I, I like your, I like the uh, points you made there, how you backed it up. Thank you. And I think um, the Suns, if they lose, if they lose, you know, um, and they're, I think they would give off serious 2014 Spurs vibes. You know, when they, they lost, they, they were coming off their final loss, and then the next season, I think they had, like, one of the best, like, postseason runs ever, losing, like, four or five games. And the if Thunder should have beaten them right. in the Western Conference Finals. You're bringing up just old wounds. Yeah, I'm it. sorry, but Serge it's so Ibaka true. Was, like, Ibaka the Spurs were like, no one's beating us this year. No one. No one can stop us. We're on fire. And the, the Suns, that will be the Suns if that happens this year. The Thunder almost did it. Uh, almost. Almost, Keyword. yeah. Serge Ibaka was out the first two games. Spurs win both those by about a thousand points each. <laughs> and then the Thunder come back and win two straight. And then the Spurs won two straight. The Thunder pushed them more than Miami did. But I can see that a little bit. I think the Suns are, they've fixed all their weaknesses they had from last season because they played Giannis and just did not have enough depth on the back line of just big guys to guard him. Because DeAndre Ayton, he only gets six fouls. 
Giannis is going to come at you like full speed, like a bull in a china shop over and over and over until you foul out. And then they're throwing like Frank Kaminsky out there to guard him. But now they have real depth with guys like Jay Crowder, Bismack Biombo, and others who can really just have bodies and throw fouls at Giannis and other guys in their way. I think that Phoenix is the overwhelming favorite in the West. But I just did get some news earlier that I thought would be interesting. We mentioned the Clippers. Paul George is coming back tonight. Paul George, who was in the uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander trade for the Thunder a while ago, Thunder legend Paul George, great guy. Um, he tore his, some a ligament in his elbow, but it looks like he's coming back. And there's some murmurs out there, Haley, that Kawhi Leonard could come back. Is there anything worse than being the Suns and winning like 65 games, routing everyone the regular season, and then you play the eight seed and they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back after not playing all year? I think I'd be pretty pissed if I lost. I'd be really mad if we just like torched everyone all year and then these guys who sat out the whole time and it was like, hey. They're like, surprise, we're back. Yeah, we're going to start playing now, now that the playoffs start. I would be so mad. But that that is one team that I would at least keep an eye on. You never know with Kawhi and some of his health mystery things. And you never know with basketball in general. And that is something I really learned. It can take one guy to flip the entire trajectory of a game. And that's something I never thought would be possible in sports until I started really looking into basketball. So, you know, with two guys... I can only imagine. Well, and the Clippers are a really great team. Um, they've really, like you talked about, being a giant killer. That's what the Clippers are in terms of just being a small ball team. They played Rudy Gobert right off the floor in the playoffs last year against the Jazz. They just have like a handful, or not even a handful, like a dozen of just like six, nine guys with long arms who are just interchangeable, who are just all really helpful basketball players. I know this is a hard concept to grasp, but they are a good team because they just lack bad players on their team. They just play a bunch of guys who are good, who work well together, and they have Tyron Lue as their head coach, but watch out for the Clippers. Okay, I'll be watching for them. But Devin Booker Booker, this week was asked if he was mad about how he hasn't been mentioned in the MVP conversation this year. Booker said no because the MVP criteria changes from year to year. What is your MVP criteria, and what does being an MVP mean to you? So I get what he's saying about MVP criteria because some of it is, it does change year to year because uh, I've looked at some of the advanced stats with Devin Booker. And if you look through the history of basketball, guys who average like 25, five and five, like he has and have the overwhelming number one record in the league, usually win the MVP, but he's not even in the conversation this year. And some of that's attributed to people who don't know who to give credit to between him and Chris Paul. But there's also just these once-in-a-lifetime seasons that are happening with guys like Giannis and Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. It's a tough thing because the term most valuable is kind of like up for grabs is how you want to interpret it because the NFL has like the player of the year. That's pretty obvious. It's the best player from that year. You have the Heisman when you go into college football. So, Mm -hmm. But the MVP has a little bit of a different vibe to it. Like you even saw it when Russell Westbrook won a few years ago because he just carried that team just up and down like he carried all 15 guys on his back up the hill averaging a triple double 30 10 and 10 which hadn't been done since the 60s so that's a big deal but it's just kind of I think the MVP needs to get figured out on what the exact criteria is but I guess MVP to me actually our our boy Josh Giddy had a good quote about this he said the most valuable player is the player who makes the mo- uh, the most players around him valuable I like that. Yeah. Little 19-year-olds spit that out. Yeah, philosophy class right there. (laughs) 
But I think if you're going on just the term of value, you'd have to pick Nikola Jokic. He's the leader in literally every advanced metric. He's um, leads the league in triple doubles. Without him, they might have a worse record than the Thunder right now. Their team is just terrible without him. It's like Nikola Jokic and then just like four guys from a local college who play with him. And he's just dominating every facet of the game. Even coming off an MVP last year, he's lost a ton of weight. He's gotten in great shape. And he's improved in basically every facet of his game. Where you see a giant white guy who used to ride horses from Serbia, you're like, oh, he can't defend or move anything. He's used his brain and then lost a lot of weight to become a really good defender and kind of a quarterback on their defense. And then offensively, he is the alpha and omega of everything on their team. Everything runs through him. And like we said with Josh Giddy, uh, his quote, he makes those guys valuable. He is the thing that like gets everybody going, that gets the wheel turning. And without him, their offense does not run at all. I think there was a stat the other day that in three or in like five minutes without him the other day, they didn't score a single point. The Denver Nuggets didn't. That's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, with actual professionals, they didn't make a single shot. I think they got two free throws, but he literally is their entire offense and the head of their defense. I think that's what value is. But what does, I guess, MVP mean to you as somebody who's newer to basketball or hasn't been around, I guess, some of the MVP talk as much as me? I I think it all comes down to stats, personally. If you don't look it on paper you shouldn't win. And I know that sounds so weird because you can have players that are amazing on the court, but they don't look good on paper if they're carrying the team, if they're passing to their teammates and just like making the whole team work. But I think an MVP really needs to hold their own on an individual level. They need to have those stats. They need to be constantly talked about, constantly relevant in the news. I mean, Jokic and Embiid, they're always talked about. It's not like you never see a game where it's not like they are the headline of that team. Um, and they need, we need someone who goes above and beyond on the court and catches the eye of all fans across America. I mean, from the outside looking in, Jokic, he, he has everyone's hearts right now. I mean, he's carrying the nuggets. He's carrying, you know, that whole atmosphere. Um, no one can really touch him. So I definitely feel like he'll be, he'll be walking away with the MVP this year. Yeah, it's difficult because it's like, how do you weigh the stats versus how do you weigh winning? Because... For instance, Embiid might be the number one seed in the East compared to Jokic being like fifth in the West. But if you look at the actual like top to bottom standings through the East and the West, the Nuggets only have like one less win than the 76ers. It's just that the Suns are so much better than everybody that there's no way you can catch them. Yeah. So it's a difficult thing. And then um, some of it's weird because the MVP kind of punishes guys for playing with good teammates, like we mentioned with Devin Booker. Okay, yeah. So like value you have Jokic his best two teammates and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are out is that Devin Booker's fault that his teammates have been healthy or that he has good teammates no I think the MVP I think the NBA really needs to take a step back and reevaluate what the MVP is because you know you can have like these standout players but if they're the only ones carrying their team that's not necessarily fair yeah at what point does it become not an award for that guy and more just an award that that team couldn't build around them and he's just awesome yeah 
So I think winning has to come into it a little bit. I mean, you talked about the Heisman. You don't win the Heisman if you're going six and six, no, no. matter what your stats are. You need to be winning. So I think a little bit of that goes into each side, but we're in for a really, really good MVP race. There's not many years that you can say that the MVP is up for grabs still with five or six games left, but it's going to be really exciting because all these guys are gunning for it, so they're going to have something to play for down the stretch. All these guys are going to be in the games trying to put up numbers. So I'm really excited because... No matter who wins the MVP, we as the viewers are going to win because we're going to see some great basketball. Absolutely. That is a great way to put it, Michael. Okay, so I think that's that's all we have today. Do you want to add anything? Anything you want to say about this coming week's game? Game tomorrow night for the Thunder? It, it'll be fun. So Trey Young comes back to Oklahoma. He's Norman native. He went to Norman North. He was actually teammates with Lindy Waters, who plays on the Thunder right now who's the only Native American guy in the entire league. So it's been pretty cool to see those guys. It'll be fun to see them interact. And then um, hopefully we get a loss. We need it. We need it. Please give us a loss. But thank you guys so much for tuning into the Thundergrads. Again, I'm Haley Hurst. I'm here with Michael Martin. And if you aren't following us on socials, do it right now at the Thundergrads on Instagram. Please follow us. Um, but we will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in.